Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist speaks that line upon seeing Jesus. Yeah, it was Jesus who elicited from the lips of the last of the Old Testament prophets this extraordinary phrase, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, the Israelites had been waiting for a Savior for a very long time. Prophet after prophet would point the eyes of, of his followers toward a future Messiah that was going to save them from all of their sin. And this future Messiah would perform this act of saving them through suffering and dying. The prophet Isaiah says, and, and this is hundreds of years before uh, John the Baptist uh, speaks this line to Jesus. Just listen to the prophet Isaiah. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Though harshly treated, he submitted and did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to slaughter, he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb. And what's the significance of the lamb to the Jewish people of the Old Testament? Well, the lamb would be something that they sacrificed to God. And that gives us a further question. What's a sacrifice to the Jewish people of the Old Testament? Well, a sac there are many different types of sacrifices, about, about five. You have burnt offerings, sin offerings, and three others, but they can all be categorized into two different categories. The first type of sacrifice was a sacrifice uh, to express communion with God. And the second type of sacrifice was to restore communion with God. And this is important because the Israelites knew in their hearts that they had a tendency to turn away from the God who has given them everything. By offering a valuable choice animal, often a lamb, to this gracious God, in effect they were saying this, I worked very hard with my bare hands, and I put a lot of time and effort into rearing this goat, or this ram, or this lamb, it takes something out of me to give this to you, Lord. But I do it willingly, because you have given me everything. And I want to give my whole self to you. I want to be in communion with you. So the central sacrifice of the Old Testament is the Passover. You know the story. Moses wanted to worship with the people, right? Worship with his people. And Pharaoh had enslaved them, and well, he wasn't about to let the people go. And so Moses asks, you know, let my people go and offer sacrifice, go and offer worship to our Lord in the world wilderness. And Pharaoh says, no. And plague after plague comes to, uh, to Pharaoh and to everyone around, to all the land. And finally they get to the last one. Okay, if you don't let my people go, says Moses, the angel of death is going to visit everyone. And the firstborn of all your flocks, of all the animals, and even humans will die. And well, there's, this, there's these conditions that God has given. He says, if you want to avoid the angel of death, you've got to do these four things, okay? So, here they are. One, kill an unblemished lamb. Number two, dip a branch of hyssop in the blood of the lamb. Number three, sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of, and the lintel of the home. And number four, eat the flesh of the roasted lamb with unleavened bread 
and bitter herbs. The Passover was then both a sacrifice and a meal, and by performing this sacrificial act and eating the flesh of the lamb, you can see where I'm going with this, (laughs) the angel of death would then pass over the houses of those who followed the Lord's instructions. They were saved both on the night of the meal and, of course, through the Red Sea. Every year after this, the Israelites would celebrate the Passover again and again, killing a lamb and eating its flesh in remembrance of the great thing that the Lord had did for them. So when, the Baptist, when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, all this history is packed in there. Behold, he says, the one who will offer himself to be slaughtered for our sins. All these years the Israelites had been offering their lambs at the feast of Passover, but none of these sacrifices could atone for their sins. When I say that word atone, it just means to make up for. It can't make up for their sins. Only one true sacrifice could do that. That would come in Christ. And that's not repeated sacrifices like it was over and over, slaughtering lamb and ram and goat and all these different types of sacrifices. No, this one sacrifice would come. And you wouldn't and, and so this one sacrifice wouldn't have to be repeated. The one sacrifice of Christ. And you heard me correctly, not repeated. So this sacrifice happened at the Last Supper and on the cross. Now, this is a hard thing to understand. It's a mystery. We're not going to fully grasp this. But what I'm saying is is that the action of Jesus taking the bread and the wine at the Last Supper and declaring it his body and blood and then commanding his apostles to eat of it, that's the same sacrifice as the one on the cross when Jesus gives himself up. So Jesus dying on the cross and the Last Supper the night before, same sacrifice. And to help understand... There's a theologian that said it's seen from two different angles. Same sacrifice, seen from two different angles. Take this, all of you, and eat of it, he says. What did they do when when Jesus said that? When he says, take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body. They did that. They took it, and they ate it. Just as the Israelites of old had eaten the flesh of the lamb at Passover. They couldn't just wipe the blood on the doorpost. They they ate the flesh of the lamb. Yes, the apostles ate the flesh of the unblemished God-man who had no sin. And they drank the blood of the new lamb, the blood which is no longer sprinkled on a wooden doorpost, but as we hear in the exultate on the Easter vigil, anoints the doorposts of believers. What are the doorposts of believers? That's our lips. Those are the new doorposts. Yes, our lips are the new doorposts. That was a real lamb's blood that the Israelites wiped on their doorposts. And that was a real lamb's flesh that they ate. What a letdown it would be if this new lamb just gave us just a symbol of his body and blood. Is that what Father Gary says every week, every day? They say, behold, a symbol of the Lamb of God. No! He says, behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sin of the world. Happy are those, blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Yeah, 
And, and you might say, well, oh, it's, um, you might hear it said, oh, but it's a, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful symbol of, it, it's, it's, of our being together with our Lord. I don't want a, just a symbol of being together with my Lord. I want to actually be together with my Lord. He's here, actually present with us. And, and how does he want to be pre- present with us? Does he just want to be around us? Does he just want to be, like, next to us? He wants to be life in us. That's what he said. That's how he wants to be with us, inside us, really and truly. If you, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, he says, you have no life within you. John chapter 6. So, like the Israelites of the Old Testament, we really eat the flesh of the lamb. The difference, of course, being that the lambs of old were symbols that pointed toward the true lamb. We have the true lamb today, and we eat of the true lamb who takes away the sin of the world, who offered himself as a once-for-all offering for sin. Once for all. You heard me say that earlier. Not repeated. That's what the inspired book of Hebrews says. He offered sacrifice once for all when he offered himself. So you might ask, like, in Mass, aren't we repeating the sacrifice week after week? I mean, we come back week after week, sometimes day after day. Isn't that a repeat of the sacrifice? Isn't that going against what the book of Hebrews says? It says once for all. No, we're not repeating the sacrifice. Because this is one sacrifice that we're participating in. Unlike other events of the past, like when you had cereal this morning, that's an event that stays locked in the past. This event does not and cannot stay locked in the past. It breaks the bonds of time. The Paschal Mystery is so powerful, this offering of love that Jesus gave to us, this God-man who died on the cross for us, it can't stay locked in the past. It's so powerful. That's how, that's, how it, how, that's how we can participate in the one true sacrifice. Yes, we do come week after week. And always we are participating in the one true sacrifice of our Lord. Because that's the way he wanted it. It's like, well, what, what do you... You might ask, like, well, why? Well, that's because that's the way he wanted it. Do this in memory of me, he said. Do this in memory of me. And that's what we do. We participate in the one true powerful, more powerful than any other event in history, sacrifice of Christ. So just as the Israelites remembered their deliverance from slavery each time they celebrated Passover, so do we, in a far greater way, remember and participate in the one sacrifice of Christ who died for our sins on the cross. So now we're at the the last part of that sentence. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For the Israelites, sin was turning away from God. It was making an idol out of a golden calf. It was complaining against the God who gave them everything. It was living more as a part of the world than as a part of God's family. Sin back then is the same as sin today. Do we make a real, like a, fashion a golden calf like they did? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do it metaphorically. We don't do it like they did, but we still have that same sin. Whenever we uh, separate ourselves from God, because that's what sin is. It's separation from God. It's a failure to love him and to love those that he has put in our life. 
Every time you put work or family before, uh, before, um, excuse me, every time you put work before family or YouTube before prayer, and I'm probably speaking more for myself when I say that YouTube one, um, <laughs> it's keeping part of you for yourself rather than giving your whole self to the God who has given you everything. And that's where the Eucharist comes in. While, so, mortal sin and venial sin, there's two types of sin. And if you're right to think like, wait a minute, and that's where the Eucharist comes in. What do you mean? Sin and Eucharist? Wait a minute, hang on. Sin is supposed to be dealt, in the confes- dealt with in the confessional. You'd be right to be saying that. Yes, we deal with sin in the confessional. Mortal and venial sin. You go to confession. This is the sacrament that God has given us. But he also gave us the Eucharist, and our church teaches us that the Eucharist takes away sin. When we come, we do not want to come with mortal sin on our conscience. We want to refrain from receiving and go to confession if we have a mortal sin. But all of us, we still have our attachments. We're still turned away from God in some small way. Um, I should say most of us, uh, most of us do. And so, so we can trust when he says the Eucharist, when our church says the Eucharist takes away venial sins. Well, it makes sense, right? Because... He wants to dwell in us. It's all about communion, holy communion. He wants to dwell in us, so he takes away our sin in order to dwell in us. It's a beautiful phrase that the Catechism has. It says, The Eucharist cannot unite us to Christ without at the same time cleansing us from past sins and preserving us from future sins. So you can see, we're back where we started at the beginning. Why did the Israelites offer sacrifice to God? To express communion with God and to restore communion with God. It's all about communion. That's what he wants. That's what we want. We want communion with God. That's the deep desire of our heart is communion. And that's the deep desire of the Lord's heart to be in communion with us. And so where do we go to go to communion? Holy communion. That's where we go. Only Christ's sacrifice can express and restore communion with God perfectly. The Last Supper is that sacrifice, and that is the food which we eat today, which takes away our sin, and the more we participate in it, the more we are cleansed and encouraged to cast off the sin in our lives, the sin of putting ourselves and other things before God and others So now it's time to come to the source of life, the Eucharist, with a humble and sincere heart, recognizing that that sin of the world John the Baptist speaks about, that's in my heart. And here in the Eucharist, Jesus, the true Lamb of God, comes to take it away so that he can dwell in us and we can dwell in him.